you can do it where no one else can. No one else is as good as you. No one else can do the job like you can because I'm just that great at it. Pride. Some theologians see pride as the the cardinal or chief sin, the the first sin. Lucifer was once an an angel with God in, in the heavenly realms, and he tried to make himself as big as God. He thought he could do it just as well as God could. He had pride. Jesus says, I saw as he was kicked out of heaven. Isaiah 14, 12 through 15 describes it this way, how you are fallen from heaven, O day star, son of dawn, how you are cut down to the ground, you who laid the nations low. You said in your heart, I will ascend to heaven. I will raise my throne above the stars of God. I will sit on the mount of assembly on the heights of Zaphon. I will ascend to the tops of the clouds. I will make myself like the most high, but you are brought down to Sheol, to the depths of the pit. Lucifer thought that he could do things just as well as God could. I can do this. This doesn't look so hard. He had pride. And it causes, quite literally, his downfall, trying to make himself equal with God. Of course, we would never claim out loud to make ourselves equal with God, right? We would never actually say those words. But if we would start comparing ourselves with our neighbor, well, I'm better than they are. I can do that better than they can. Or what about brothers and sisters in the church? I've got more talent than they do. I've got more ability than they do. They can't do it nearly as well as I can. We might say those things, or we might think those things in our heart. And so I'd like for us to take a a little bit deeper look at this passage from 1 John. If you have your Bibles, or phone, or tablet, or whatever you're looking up Scripture on, 1 John chapter 2, verses 7 through 17 is where we're going to be looking at. 1 John is just incredible. Uh, We'll have to spend some more time uh, on this whole book uh, at another point, because there's just some, some beautiful words, some beautiful language that John has here. Uh, this is from 1 John chapter 1, verses 5 to 10. It says, This is the message we have heard from Him and proclaim to you that God is light and in Him there is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with Him while we are walking in darkness, we lie and do not do what is true. But if we walk in the light as He Himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, His Son, cleanses us from sin. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Let me stop right there. This is what I talked about at the very beginning, that we are all broken and sinful people. None of us can say here and go, nope, I got it together. I'm doing pretty well on my own. I don't think I need any help from Jesus. We're all broken, sinful people. If we confess our sins He who is faithful and just will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. If we say, no, I got it all together, we're saying God's a liar. It's a beautiful confession of faith and we see that we're all guilty of sin. But I love that line, if we confess our sin, 
He is faithful and just to forgive us our sin. And that is what we have been doing on the cross. Coming and, and admitting that we don't have it all together. Moving on to our verse that uh, Jeff read for us this morning. It begins by encouraging us not to keep sinning. Uh, in, in Paul's language, he says, don't cheapen grace. Don't just keep on living the way that you were living. Follow Jesus. But he says, but if, or rather, when we do sin, Jesus is our advocate, our atoning sacrifice for the world. John, Paul, Jesus, they all know that at some point we're going to continue to fail. It's not like we, we turn our lives over to Jesus, we get baptized, and nothing bad is ever, we're never going to do anything bad ever again. We have to keep coming and, and confessing and trying to walk faithfully with Jesus. That's why in verse 6 it says, whoever says, I abide in him, ought to walk as Jesus walked. Jesus is talking about faithfulness, about belief and action together. John is telling how the church can show that it is abiding in Christ by how they love one another. He's telling them to live it out. It's not enough for you to just say that you're walking in the light if you're not following Jesus. And how do you show that you're loving Jesus? You love those around you. Verse 8 says in dar that darkness is passing away and true light is already shining. I was listening to N.T. Wright this week, um, uh, an interview with him. He's a New Testament scholar. Um, and he said, we're living in this time between the beginning of Jesus' victory and the end of Jesus' victory. That begins at the cross. It, it culminates with Christ's return and, and making everything his, restoring and renewing everything. But I love that language of we're living in this time between the beginning of Jesus' victory and the end of Jesus' victory. The outcome is known, Jesus' victory. The only question is, how long does the battle go on? But Jesus and his victory is what we will celebrate a little bit more fully next week. John tells this community of faith that they can't say they follow Jesus and hate a brother or sister. Specifically, he's talking to the community of faith. He's talking to those who have committed themselves to following Jesus as Lord and Savior. And he says, look, you need to love your brother and sister. I wonder how many times are we as Christians our own worst enemy in evangelizing, in, in talking to others about Jesus. Look, if our culture, if people in our world, if our neighbors want to see people fighting and arguing and, and debating about how to run things and what justice looks like and, and bickering back and forth, they can turn on C-SPAN or Fox News or CNN. They can turn that on. When they look at the church, they should see something different. They should see something different. But often our pride gets in the way, in the way of us walking or abiding in Christ, 
in the way of us loving one another, in the way of speaking anything of good news to the world around us. Church, we need to live differently. Verses 12 through 14, John gets a little poetic here. He says, I am writing to you, little children, because your sins are forgiven on account of his name. I am writing to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. I am writing to you, young people, because you have conquered the evil one. I write to you, children, because you know the Father. I write to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. I write to you, young people, because you are strong, and the word of God abides in you, and you have overcome the evil one. I love the family language body of Christ, family of God. You are part of Christ's victory over sin and death. This is good news. This is a a reminder to all of us. Verses 15 through 17, John goes on to say, don't love what everyone else seems to be in love with. This is a repeated theme that we've heard the last couple weeks. First, Jesus said it, and then Paul said it, and now John says it. Don't chase after what everyone else seems to be going after. The desire of the flesh, the desire of the eyes, the pride in riches is what John says. We have been confessing our injustice, our violence, our unbelief, our greed, our lust, our pride. These things are passing away. They have no place in the kingdom of God. And you and I are called to live as citizens of the kingdom now. See, our pride gets in the way. Pride is self-seeking. Pride abuses power. Pride violently seeks control over others. It believes in nothing but the self. It is greedy and it lustfully pursues pleasure for the self. But the cross is antithetical to pride. It's the complete opposite. It is the way of sacrifice. Even Jesus humbled himself, not considering equality with God something to be grasped. He does the opposite of Lucifer. Even though he is God in the flesh, that's not what he pursues. He he does something completely different. He doesn't follow in the way of seeking his own good, his own welfare, his own uh, being lifted up, exalted. See, the cross is about lifting up the weak, the vulnerable, the oppressed. The cross ends the cycle of violence by refusing to retaliate in kind. The cross is about believing that God is bigger than death and trusting that death is not the end and living within that reality. The cross is about caring for the needs of others, not building up treasure on earth. The cross is about pursuing the kingdom of God, following Christ as the ultimate purpose and seeking His pleasure and finding pleasure in Him. 
The cross is about surrendering my life, my goals, my pride to following Christ the King. Luke, can you come up here? Each week we have talked about ways that we might actually think about our sin. About ways we might engage with God's word over the coming week to think about uh, violence and, and unbelief and injustice and, and lust and greed. And we've provided you with resources that you might think about those things in a different way. Here's what Jesus does with pride. He gets up after the meal. He takes off his outer coat. And he takes a towel. And he wraps it around his waist. At least this is what we do here. And kneeling, taking the position of a servant... Despite the fact that he is God, despite the fact that he was there at the very beginning, God from God, eternally begotten, light from light of one essence with the Father, he gets down, he assumes the position of a servant. And he washes his disciples' feet. I usually just splash a couple handfuls of water on someone's foot. Dry it off. Doesn't have to be bone dry. It's hard to be proud when you are down on your hands and knees washing another's feet. Even in our world, this is something that is strange, different. And here at Spring Creek, we wash down the row. Then there's one more part of this. God bless you. Thanks for your help. Look, if pride's an issue for you, and it is for all of us, 
I can't think of a, a, a better way to start to address that pride in your life than to come this evening to get down on your knees and to wash a brother or sister's feet. Or, or if you can't get down, we, we have tables where we can wash hands and we serve one another. It's a practical reminder of the way we want to love one another and that that expresses our love for each other, for the body of Christ, and our love for Jesus. If you want to confront your pride, if you want to walk in love with one another, I can't think of a better place to be tonight than here at Love, Feast, and Communion. This isn't about saints versus sinners. This isn't an in versus out kind of thing. We invite all who are in love and fellowship with Jesus Christ and His church to come and to be at the table this evening. If pride is in the way between you and a brother or sister, though, we have all afternoon for you to make a phone call to make a visit, to try and seek some reconciliation in those broken relationships before we come together as one body this evening. If you take out your piece of paper that's in your bulletin, one last thing before we close our worship service this morning. I wonder what relationship in your life has been strained by your pride. It could be a brother or sister here, it could be a coworker, it could be other family. And your pride has gotten in the way of reconciling, of coming back together. Maybe they were wrong, but you've been too proud to seek some reconciliation. Or maybe you were in the wrong, but your pride just won't let you come and say, I'm sorry. I messed up. Will you forgive me? Just take a moment here to jot that down on your, your paper. And as we leave worship this morning, if you're going out this way, you can just drop them here uh, and we'll add them to the cross since the cross is up here on the altar this morning. If you're headed out the back, there's a table between the doors. You can drop your uh, black strip of paper uh, for our confessions off back there. Good Friday, we will be cleaning off this cross, celebrating that Jesus has taken all that sin and death and darkness and absorbed it into himself and has allowed us to enjoy new life. And next week on Resurrection Sunday, I invite you to bring a flower, bring flowers for your family and add those into this cross that will be, I think, down in the, the gathering area or just outside so that we can all add our signs of new life onto this cross and we can be celebrating what Jesus has done for us. As we close our worship service this morning, I invite you to stand as you are able in body or spirit.